Hello everyone, my name is Marina and you're listening to Tribecast Tre, episode 10. Besides having a nice round numbers of episodes, Tribecast has celebrated two months since the pilot first came on air. And I just cannot be silent about it. Let me give you some summary of what has been reached so far before I move on to this week's interviews. As it was said, we have released 10 episodes and Tribecast Trek can be now found on three platforms, which are Spreaker, iTunes and YouTube. Furthermore, we have just got our own Twitter, so it's even easier for you to leave the feedback. All episodes include more than 10 interviews with various representatives of startup world and they have been listened to more than 600 times so far. I'm actually impressed by how cool we are. Let's continue. My first guest this week is Mikael Usimakula from Teacher Gaming. So let's talk with those who made it about how it can be reached. Yeah, hello Mikael and tell us a few things about yourself. Uh, my name is Mikael Usimakula and I'm the CEO at a company called Teacher Gaming. Speaking about Teacher Gaming, what do you guys do? So our mission at Teacher Gaming is to elevate teaching with the help of video games. And not just any video games, the exact same video games that children are playing at home. So our history goes kind of back to 2011, uh, so we've been at it for a while. So if you, you know, ever ran into a game called Minecraft, we first started with that and created the educational version called Minecraft EDU and worked on that for about six years. And during that time, we reached about... 15-20,000 schools around the world, most of them in the US. About like in English speaking world like 8 to 9% of schools were using our products at that time. And uh, in 2016 we sold that company to Microsoft and that was kind of a soft exit for us, but that kind of made us, you know, queasy, what do you do now? So we decided to do, you know, more of the same thing. So instead of working with a single game, we now work with uh, 51 different games. So we're basically kind of doing a Netflix of games for schools. And right now it's a happy mix of entertainment games and educational games. Wow. You can go in my section of startups who made it. I mean, the previous one definitely did. What um, was the name, by the way? So that, that company was called Teacher Gaming. And um, we actually changed company names in between. So if you now look us up, it's going to be five more minutes. But we still own the brand rights. So we're using Teacher Gaming as the company brand. Okay. But there's a five more minutes company who we don't mention because, you know, yeah. All right. For All brand right. consistency. All right. Um, how, how long did it take to your startup to get from the point, okay, guys, let's do something to the point we're making deal with Microsoft? Just like very yeah. mathematically timely, what was I it? I mean, it took like literally like on a real life scale, it took like 20, 2011 until 2016. I joined myself, that startup in 2013, late 2013. And at that point, I guess we were at about 2000 schools, but it kind of accelerated from there. So it took like two years to get to 2000 schools. But during the next two years, we got to another 10,000 schools. So you kind of got the hockey stick figure where you actually get rapid growth. In your opinion, what was the key to your success? I guess being in the right place at the right time. When we started with Minecraft, it wasn't such a huge deal. You know, yeah, it was played by maybe 50,000 people. So it's kind of early on. Uh, Alexi, our CTO, and Sunday, and one teacher from US founded the company. It kind of started from their own experiences in classroom, both 
Sandari and Joel are, you know, U.S. counterpart, were teachers and act using the game in their own classroom. So it kind of started from your own needs and, you know, figuring out what you would need. So kind of having the intuition, what the user might actually need, but then being at the right place at the right time and sticking through it, you know, the difficult times for those guys. So raising my hat to them. But also, I mean, with the current company, we had the luxury of having a successful exit behind us. So raising your, you know, seed funding and stuff was easier than it would be for many people. So that kind of gives you a kickstart. Okay. And again, in your opinion, for an early stage startup, what is the main problem that stops them from making it? I guess you kind of have to start with the definition of a startup. Because right. like, it feels like it feels like right now that every company that actually pops up is a startup. I mean, obviously, every company can be a startup. But kind of the definition is that you're a small company or, you know, you're looking for a scalable business model. But, you know, if you end up having, you know, I want to make this cart that sells yogurt, that's a good business, but it's not probably not going to be a scalable business. So I guess actually being on the lookout for that scalable model, I guess there are opportunities, you know, pop up, you know, that let you make kind of a steady revenue that we could be, you know, just doing the small scale in Finland and, you know, making 10,000 euros every month that would pay two people's salaries and we would be still happily, you know, living and, you know, able to have some extra income as well. But that's not scalable yet. So actually getting past those points where you have those kinds of easy outs that, you know, you can be comfortable, but actually be looking for the scalable thing that that's going to be turning into a million or a hundred million dollar business. That's, I mean, we've been through a couple of accelerators and one of them had this really kind of a good thought exercise so that every startup CEO or founder should be right on the spot. If I ask you, how are you going to make hundred million a year? You should be able to do that math in your head. Not like super detailed, but you should be able to explain to me right now how in five years you're going to be making a hundred million. Not just that we're going to be growing, but you know how that's going to work, how many customers that's going to take, what market that's going to be on. Are there going to be any pivots down the road? Obviously, you don't know about those, but are you planning on doing anything once you scale to a point? So how do you get to your hundred million? So having a big picture in your head. Yeah, and having the, having the kind of a vision that you are going to be actually doing a scaling up business. How do you turn your startup into a scale up? where every euro you put into your startup, it's going to make five. You can make a business that grows steadily. There's nothing wrong with that, but that's just not just not going to be a startup. Thank you for your explanation and your opinion. Speaking of accelerators and other projects, I know that you were a part of the audience during Tribex and Startup World Cup. Could you comment on those two events? I guess, you know, one of the coolest things with Tribex was actually having the uh, speakers coming out of Estonia, where you actually had a guy who had been running a unicorn company, where you actually had a company who had scaled up from that kind of a startup moment to a point where you are making, you know, one billion. So having someone who actually gone has gone through that journey and actually having a chance with talk to talk with them. So I had a chance with talking with Rain Lemberpov, who had been doing that with Playtech. So that was kind of a cool, kind of a highlight part of me. But I also seeing like. Because obviously, you know, you had Fibon and Estban there. So kind of looking at the similarities and the differences between different funding environments. They're surprisingly similar. There's obviously scale. Fibon is larger than Estban. But, you know, just talking about, you know, what the average ticket sizes for investments are and stuff like that. So I think that was cool. Broadening the like funding horizons as well. So you're not stuck with Finnish angel investments or stuff. I mean, I don't have... I don't have experience of Finnish angel investments or Finnish investments in general, so I'm not in a point of, to uh, make those comments. But I think for it, may, it was good for many startups in the audience to see that there were options. 
for looking for funding. And at this point, I think it will be good if I remind our listeners that the interviews with Rain Lemberpo, Asko Siebo and Ossin Ulmanen, who were speakers during Tribex, can be listened to in the previous podcast episodes. Speaking of fundants, you said that you did not ask investors. If it's not too much of a secret, where did your first money for a first startup came from? Mm, I mean... Originally, for Teacher Gaming, the first company, those guys started in 2011. Mm-hmm. It was basically bootstrapping at the beginning. And I think they had something like very small grants from Elu Gascos to oh. get started. But it was basically self-funded because, you know, at some point they hit that rapid growth. So they didn't need any... They didn't need any like external investments for that one. But with the current one, it was partly funded by ourselves. So we got money from the previous company and part of that went into launching the new one. Then we got a uh, R&D loan from Tekes and a couple of other grant options from them. And then we raised money from a couple of angel investors, one in Sweden, uh, one in Japan and one in the U.S., And then in late 2017, we raised kind of a larger seat round from Hong Kong-based VC called Makers Fund. And then there we have a couple of like smaller stakeholders from accelerators as well. Right. Does your startup plan to take part in any big projects any soon? Hopefully. <laughs> That's kind of one of the things, I guess, as a startup founder is the difficult part is keeping focus because there are always like opportunities. It would be cool to work together and do this and this and this. So definitely one of the things for me, I've been like CEO in our company for like six months now. Prior to that, I was the CEO. So I was looking at the operations. So, But right now, you know, making the calls for what actually benefits your kind of vision and helping you to find that scalable path. So big part of it is saying no to things. So right now we are actually working, uh, One of the, we're focused on looking for a channel partner in the US and we've been going through a couple of different options and, you know, a couple of different failed options during the last year. But hopefully we're right now we're working on a reseller partnership with a hardware provider in the US and that deal has been in works for the last three months. So I'm hopefully hoping that will come through this month. So that's kind of been a bigger focus for us. That would help us basically reach about 20,000 schools in the US. So hopefully that goes through. That's a big and ambitious plan. I wish you good luck with that. Probably I have one last question for today. Do you think that startups should get some help or should ask some help from officials like, you know, the city of Tampere? Or Yeah, I mean, one difficult thing, I guess, for Finns, especially is asking for help at any point or saying that, you know, we are at a point where we need help. So just looking at our company right now, we're at a point where... We still have funding left, but we're at a point where, you know, we're saving on like office spaces and stuff like that. Actually going and saying that you actually need help is difficult for many people. It definitely has been for us. But actually, you know, having that kind of a structure around you, whether that's the city of Tampere or universities or anyone else, that hope I guess it also lowers the threshold for asking for help. We certainly learned that during the last six months that it helps. So it's not easier for you to ask help from platforms like Tribe Tampere, or is it? I guess, yeah, it's definitely easier, I guess, when it's uh, kind of a public institution who is not going to be hounding you for like valuations or how you perform. So if you went out for to an investor, you still have to keep up appearances that, you know, it's going to be the biggest thing in the world. But we don't actually have like institutions surrounding you. You might be more honest with them and hopefully more people would be because people around you are willing to help, whether that's an institution or you know just other co-founders or other people who are working on startups. So hopefully it lowers the threshold when you have those kind of institutions because for them, you can be honest. Okay. Thank you very much for being with us today. That was Mikael Usimakula from Teacher Gaming. And that was an honest and inspiring interview for this week. Thank you. Thank you.
And now we are having in the studio Tobias Takinen, who represents NewSpec and a bunch of other projects. Hello, Tobias, and thank you for having time for this interview today. Yeah, I probably should confess that I was late for the interview, so thank you very much for waiting for me. I'm super disorganized sometimes, but first thing first, please tell our listeners a few things about yourself. Uh, thank you for the invitation. It's a pleasure to be here. My name is Tobias Takkinen, and I'm one of the co-founders of NewSpec, and uh, among other things. And What kind of projects are you involved now in? Well, the main project, or if you can call it a project, it's a proper company, of course, uh, our startup NewSpec. That's the main thing I'm involved in at the moment. And uh, I'm also a chairperson of this small grassroots level corporate development organization. We have a school in Gambia in West Africa. So you have NewSpec. By the way, how old is it? NewSpec. Yeah. Uh, it's approximately two years old, one and a half or so. Okay, so you are going to this crisis period soonish. Yeah, soonish. I think we already did the first pivot, so I think <laughs> we are like the traditional startup who always, in Finland at least, pivots from B to C to B to B, and that's what happened to us. What do you guys actually do? What's your product? Well, at the moment we are building an, an AI tools for news rooms where they, which will help them to give more context and background information to the news articles automatically so we're talking about like timelines and concept maps and stuff do you think that you will find a market for yourself in finland only or do you plan to go abroad oh uh, we will we are we're going abroad of course we are now piloting it in finland but uh, after that during next year We will start going abroad. Do you generally think that for a startup, for a Finnish startup nowadays, it is possible to stay only within the country? Or should everybody keep in mind that, yeah, they can start here, do a pilot within the country, but they should always be morally ready, you know, mentally prepared for going abroad? Well, I think at least you should consider the option for the very least. But of course, it's not for everyone right? and it also depends on the product you are selling so if you are selling some Finnish language based product so it's only Finnish market then but yeah I think that everyone every startup should at least keep it in mind because the Finnish market is such small and like it's thousands times more market out there so why should you stay only in Finland What do you generally think of Finnish startup ecosystem nowadays? Well, I've been an entrepreneur for almost two years now. And during that time, I've seen lots of improvement in the ecosystem. When I started, it was quite small-ish. Not many things happened. Or it might be the case that I wasn't deep enough in the ecosystem. So I, I just didn't see those events and, and stuff. But but I think that it has grown quite a bit. And for example, Tribe, I think, was born during this previous two years of time. I think at least in Tampere, it has grown quite a bit. Do you think that it is worth starting a business in Tampere or should everybody do it in Helsinki? depends on so many different factors where the people of your team are living has has an effect of course people can move to other cities of course but they might have their families to bring with and 
so on. So there's so so many different factors. I wouldn't say that that Helsinki is the only place. Since your startup is quite young, mm-hmm. you probably remember. Was it difficult to start a business in Finland? No, I think it was quite easy. The founding documents and the process with all the bureaucracy and stuff it was lighter than i thought at least people told me that you know, it's a heavy process and blah 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 but it was quite straightforward and easy and there's also quite a bit help from the government or the municipal authorities like the ensimetri in tampere the municipal or is it governmental agency who helps with the very first mm-hmm. phases of uh, starting a company so generally i got curious i don't think we've ever talked with anyone during tribecast about it what is the first step to open a business in finland like very you very technical what do you do you have to register in it in these uh, different registers uh, official registers and for those you need some like i don't know what's it called in english but founding papers or okay. whatever so you have to submit those there and if you want to have this uh, which is like the first subsidy personal subsidy for entrepreneurs then you also have to go through with all these uh, business plans and stuff mm-hmm. at the very beginning which are very important to, to do anyway so it's good good to do those thoroughly right at the very beginning Okay, and in your opinion, what is the main key to success for a startup in Finland nowadays? Well, first of all, the product customer need fit is obviously the most important thing that's that's essential. And everyone says that uh, the team is important. And I've seen seen it myself in many cases, not in our companies, but in our company but in others that it surely is very important if you don't have that kind of good communication environment and and so so it's i think that for every human relationship it's important to have this very good communication environment and that's why i think it's the very important for startups too but in finland especially i think that there's the problem of people, Finnish people being, let's say, too humble or something like that, or intro introvert or something like this. We are not bold enough, I would say, that we are not bold enough in marketing, in sales situations. And that is a really big problem, I think, because uh, if you are not able to convince the other side, then who would buy your product or who would give you funding? Or So I think that's like a Finnish thing problem. Speaking of team, is your team Finnish only or do you have internationals? The founders, are, we all are Finnish, but we have had some international uh, interns. All right. Do you generally believe in the necessity of diversity when starting your own business? Because here I had two polarizing opinions. One group of people say that it's better when a team is diverse, so people share their ideas, come up with the crazy solutions and always get it going. And the other part of my interviews, they say like, yeah, it's better when all the people are from the same culture, so they have this better understanding of one another mm-hmm. and then when we, the team is big enough then they can have someone who's not from the same culture so yeah i see both of the point of views personally i think that diversity helps you as you said 
to bring up all the different points of views. Also, maybe bring some new ways of doing things mm-hmm. to the table and and so on. But I must say that it also, of course, it brings difficulties if you don't understand the other culture that well, and the the cultures don't understand each other. So it also, if you have a lots of diversity in your company, in your team, then I sh- should say that you would also have to put lots of emphasis on the communications and like this kind of like people stuff. So, yeah, I would say you you need diversity or at least it's good, and but you need to manage it well. One more issue I would like to talk about is that I know that you were one of the organizers of this a recent new project, which is a talk show, which is held on tribe premises. Could you say a few words about that one? Yes, it started with the passion of few people on social entrepreneurship, uh, Kimmo Hokkanen, me and Tommy Uitti from Tribe slash Business Tampere. We were all discussing about it. Uh, Kimmo brought it up and we discussed about it and we agreed that there's not... Uh, events of this kind in Tampere and very few in Finland too so all of us we want to promote the how to do good with business how to tackle societal problems with business that's uh, something I think that hasn't been discussed much enough at least in Finland and it has a great opportunity to make a real impact in the world. So, yeah, we started organizing it by ourselves, three of us, three individuals. Then we talked with uh, U-Campus, Y-Campus, or how do you pronounce it in English? (laughs) U-Campus and from the university and Shangri-La from the university. Shangri-La is a student organization for responsible business students, which I have studied myself and actually I'm one of the co-founders of Shangri-La also. Yeah, they joined in, Y Campus joined in, Tribe was in, of course, Ehtaraha, which is a Kimmo's organization. And so we then joined the forces and made the concept we decided the concept should be a talk show because talk show is easy to it's easy to join in so you don't have to hear lectures we had a couple of speeches speakers there and beer and kombucha so it's like a low level easy to join happening but the topic is important so that's the concept we came up with and it was a success i think it was and actually you can hear interviews with two of the speakers of the last week's talk show um Mm. in the episode nine and do you want to make a teaser because i know that you plan to do it again like a full-size project do you want to make some kind of a teaser or advertisement of who will be your next speakers uh we don't know about the next speakers yet but uh, we will keep the concept same so we had this talking session first and then we had like this world cafe thing where people got to speak about their own thoughts on the subject so we will keep the concept pretty much the same i think of course some improvements will be made i don't know about the speakers yet but we 
would probably want to have like some corporate level speakers too because now we had like small and medium size companies represent representatives from these companies and so I would personally like to see some corporate level speakers there next time. Thank you very much Tobias for being with us. This was Tribecast episode 10 and my name is Marina. I'm grateful to everybody who listens, likes, comments and provides Tribecast with feedback and inspiration. By the way, whom would you like to be interviewed next week? Please leave your comments on our social media and let's do some more cool stuff together. And for now, I wish you a great weekend. Stay warm and tuned.